we're recording this on uh, the morning, which is very rare for us, the morning of the 4th of July. How come uh, we get this one right? Americans call this the 4th of July, which is the way you should pronounce dates. But everything else is, you know, March 17 or, you know, July 7 or whatever. You know, this is something that I agree with you on, right? Like the, the number comes before the month. Yes. Even though my life is just spent writing dates the american way uh, right like i write all sorry. my dates 7 slash 28 slash 17 or whatever uh, that's how i do my dates now because gross. that's how i think because that's how i have to communicate to people you know we'll talk about this maybe briefly lately americans are getting a lot of things wrong but this one the date formatting is just it's been wrong forever it took me a long time for me to see the light to see the light of the of the british and rest of the world's way of doing you know, day, month, year rather than month. Sorry. Yeah, I did get that right. Day, month, year rather than month, day, year. Month, day, year. Yeah, because it's the way people talk, right? Like, yeah, you got 4th of July, right? You know, you that is the right way of saying it, right? Like mm-hmm. the 4th mm-hmm. of July. And that's how people say dates, the 25th of March. It's very rare, I think, that people say March 25th. I now, as I say this, prepare myself for every single person who says dates that way to tell me. It's okay. <laughs> I don't need to know. Uh, but this is just one of those things that is one of the U.S. It's maybe the only thing that is different between the U.S. and the U.K. that me and you agree on. Uh, that might be. I think we agree your accent is way better. I mean, without question. Um, also, uh, Monterey in the chat is saying the same thing that anyone always says. Somebody always says anytime I bring up date formatting. And, oh, ISO 8601, that's the way to do it, which is basically year, month, day. No. Yeah, and I'm sure you also monitor your temperature by Kelvin as well. Yeah, Look, exactly. Get out of here with that stuff. Yeah. Nobody needs it. It's not how the no. world works in any way. No. Just because there's some standard somewhere. Not interested. Yeah, the only not place, interested. the only place ISO 8601 makes sense is if you are doing some sort of computer work where you are sorting by date and years most important. But in every other context, at least in my life, it's always more important to hear day and then month. And 80 to 90% of the time, the year is implied because it's typically that year. But anyway. Literally nobody when asked a date says the year first. (laughs) This is not a thing that people say. You're like, oh, when are you going to the park? Oh, it's going to be on 2017, March 5th. No one does this. No <laughs> one does this. You and I should do a social experiment and try that for a week, see what happens. Except not. See what happens. All right. So anyway, we, we digress. It's the 4th of July uh, as we record. Uh, so I happy- was very hesitant to record with you on the 4th of July. Like uh, This seems like a, just a recipe for disaster. You know, you know, a year or two ago, yep. Probably a mistake. I would just be throwing in USA chants all over the place. This year, no, we can just move right along. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet that they're like struggling to balance their sense of patriotism against their political feelings. Mm-hmm. And I just found that to be interesting. Like, how do you do you keep that? I mean, usually Fourth of July is a hellscape for me, but it seems like <laughs> this year it might be a bit better. Because look, it doesn't because it, it doesn't matter what I do, right? Like last year it was oh Brexit seventeen sixty one or whatever the year is. That was a real fun thing. 
1776. I don't, you know, I it's love 1761. It's funny, funny to me that you had no idea, which makes sense. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong to not have any idea what year it was. This is but not that's a like, thing we talk right, about, exactly. But it's ingrained in America, and it's again not a bad thing. It's just, a, it's a, it's a, a tangible example of the difference between our, our fine countries. And the well, thing is, right? so here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Because like, look, America, I love you, right? It's a great country. The reason I don't know it, it's not like we don't really get taught it very much. It's not like a big date in our history. And that isn't because in the modern times we're embarrassed about it. It's honestly that in the modern times we kind of just don't care. Like that there is, <laughs> there are bigger things in British history than that. Right, like we sure. have bigger events, you know. Like, for example, we'll always learn about World War Two in school, right? Like mm-hmm. the English Civil War, we'll do that, right? Like some of the history of our kings and queens, but like the the American Revolution, like or the American Civil War, whatever you could call it, it's not really a thing. Actually, I don't think this is a thing I ever learned in school. Hmm. I mean, that's again not a bad thing. It's just kind of funny that way. I don't know. America is history is super weird right because it tends to be taught differently depending on where you are in the country for especially with the with mm-hmm. regard to the civil war like in the northeast where i mostly grew up it was oh yeah you know the south wanted slaves and something something states rights and uh, yeah we kicked their butts yep moving on whereas my understanding and here again i'm sure the entire american internet will write in and tell me how wrong i am but my understanding of the way it works in the South is that the Civil War tends to be taught for considerably longer, tends to be described as, oh, it was the War of Northern Aggression, and P.S., we were kind of wrong about that slavery thing, but it was the War of Northern Aggression, and and again, I'm sure I've got that wrong because this is all like hearsay, and I didn't experience it with my own eyes, but um, that that's the impression I've had. And so, you know, it seems strange to me that like in a country like America that history would be taught differently. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a big country, and I don't say that to snark. I mean, I, I, I mean that genuinely. It's a very geographically large country with very different pockets and very different regions and whatnot. Anyway, we got to move on because this show is going to run 17 hours if we don't. But uh, suffice to say, um, yeah, it's the 4th of July weekend, uh, which I see in the show notes Mike is a little confused about how it can be a weekend if it's one day. No, it's not, it's not confusing. It's just funny to me. Fair enough. Because I see people saying not like, oh, it's Independence Day weekend or we're celebrating independence day today i see people say oh we're celebrating fourth of july or happy fourth of july on july 2nd which i just think is hilarious there is something funny to me about somebody saying happy fourth of july when they're having their like barbecue on sunday like two days before there's just something funny to me about that yeah and what tends to happen especially when the fourth of july is you know thursday or friday or monday or tuesday in this case it's a tuesday then it it becomes a long weekend and a lot of people will take the the adjoining day off so like i am aware of this because i have lots of people that aren't responding to my emails (laughs) funny how that is so uh so yeah so i mean it's it's kind of wild but i mean the fourth of july traditionally just means some sort of cookout you know it's not the beginning of summer but it's one of the one of the kind of bookends of summer especially because depending on where you are in the country sometimes uh schools had just let out in the last couple of weeks so Mm -hmm. um so you know this is kind of the first big event oftentimes during the summertime so typically that means a cookout that means fireworks which you have a whole new disappreciation for when you're a parent because they happen well after the kid is asleep and oftentimes wake the kid up which is super fun um I have not done anything for Fourth of July weekend as yet. Uh, later this afternoon, uh, after Declan's nap, we will be going to my mother-in-law's house and having a cookout and just kind of playing games. It is exceedingly hot out here. It's uh, 90-some degrees, and I'm a terrible human, so I don't know what that conversion is in centigrade, but it's a lot. Um, a lot of the degrees. A lot of the degrees. And so, the actual... 
Yeah, that is the actual measurement. And uh, and so we'll see how much. Typically, you know, 4th of July is outdoor cookout and um, and things of that nature. But this time we might be in the air conditioning and uh, just playing board games or something. But, I mean, it's weird. Generally speaking, I really like the 4th of July because it's nice to have family and friends together. It's nice to have a cookout. It's nice to eat, you know, delicious food coming off the grill. It's nice to be excited about America. I mean, uh, as as you especially, Mike, well know, Americans tend to be excited about America. But this is... This is not a time to be excited about America. And I think regardless of your political affiliation, I mean, obviously, I am I am not a fan of the current president, and I don't think anyone is surprised by that. But even if you are a fan of the current you, you are a fan of the current president, I would still say there's not a lot politically to be excited about right now. It's, it's been a very divisive time, and that's very tough. So Fourth of July, yeah, I mean, happy birthday, America. I do, but, in general, support the idea of this holiday. I think it is a good holiday to be able to celebrate your country. Like Canada just had Canada Day, mm-hmm. and it was their 150th. So um, happy Canada to Canada. Because <laughs> we don't really have a thing like that. That's because you've been around forever. Yeah, I think it's too difficult to really pin a date, right? Like, it doesn't really... But yeah, we we don't really have a a holiday where we celebrate our patriotism or our national pride. Like, there isn't isn't really a date like that. I guess it kind of gets sprinkled across a few different things. But there is something kind of nice about thinking about the country that you're from and being proud of it as much as you can be or the people within it. There's something nice about that. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, what do you what have you got going on? How are you celebrating your Fourth uh, of July? Yeah, well, I today am actually going to be uh, completing a bucket list item. Ooh, familiar with the term bucket list? So I, I I wouldn't say that I have like a an, I haven't got an actual written list of things. Mm-hmm. You know, bucket list being things you want to do before you die, before you kick. But the there has been. Before you kick the bucket, exactly. And then the bucket spills, and then all the things have fallen away. Wow, I think that that's got, where the metaphor comes that from. That got morbid like quick. <laughs> um, but I have a thing that I've always wanted to do, and we're doing it today. Uh, I'm going to be seeing Romeo and Juliet in Shakespeare's Globe. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's a very small theater. Is, is it a globe you can hold in your hands? Wow. Oh, come on. Is that I the best to. you could do? <laughs> It's early, Mike. It? It's early. I uh, I haven't had Ooh. my coffee. Let's go with that. Uh, no, I, I'm familiar with the Globe Theater. I've not been to it, but that all all snark aside, that's super awesome. That should be really good. So the Globe Theater was Shakespeare's actual theater. It was the theater that he built in London. It was the theater that was built on, I believe, the north side of the river and had to be transported to the south side of the river, like piece by piece, when the river was frozen because he was basically pushed out, so they had to move it, which is kind of incredible. So they just deconstructed it, pushed all of the pieces over the ice, and then reconstructed it again. I didn't which know is that. Which is kind of a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, this was something, again, that I learned in school, but you know, who knows if it's, a, if it's true or not, but I believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was reconstructed. Yeah, there you go. With the, it was, uh, I'm just looking at it right now. It was ferried over the Thames to be reconstructed as a globe on some marshy gardens to the south of Maiden Lane in Southwark. Um, so it may have not been exactly pushed over, but it was ferried over basically in one night. Anyway, uh, it was reconstructed in 1997 because it was, uh, I think it got burned down. It was burned down, so they reconstructed it. And I have always wanted to see a play in the Globe. I've taken a tour of the Globe. But I always have wanted to see a play that I know well. Um, and Romeo and Juliet is one of, it is my favorite Shakespeare. 
and it's one of my favorite plays, and I love the story, and I love the adaptations of it, and I've never seen it in the Globe, and we're going tonight, and I'm very excited. We're not standing in the pit. Um, we've got seats. I, I didn't want to stand in the pit because Romeo and Juliet's runtime without interval is two hours and 50 minutes. Oy. So I I didn't want to stand in the pit. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm very excited about this OKC. Yeah, that should be super fun. Uh, when we... I don't know. I'm sure I told the story at some point, somewhere, probably on the show. But when I was 13, uh, my dad's mom, my grandmother, who I call Nan, and I'm pretty sure we just talked about this because you have a Nan as well. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. um, Nan decided that as the eldest grandson, when I turned 13, I would suddenly not want to talk to her anymore because I would be too cool for that. And uh, as kind of a last hurrah, which didn't end, I mean, of course, I still talk to her, but, you know, it, it, she thought at the time as last hurrah, she said, oh, let's go to London and Paris for a week. You know, we'll do a week, a week in London. We'll do a day trip to Paris on the channel. And one of the things we did when we were in London is we went and saw one or two plays. I remember one of them was a completely just bananas play about like math and nature and stuff. And I was 13 at the time, so I didn't understand half it. I'm not sure she understood a lot of it, but I just remember the, the London theater scene being really, really cool. And we saw some really good stuff there. So I can only imagine what it would be like to go to the globe and see Romeo Romeo and Juliet. That sounds really, really awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited. I mean, it's not, it is not technically part of the theater scene. It's not in um, the West end. I see. It's, okay. The Globe is in a is a, it's in a different part of London, um, but it it's there because that was where it was. They rebuilt it on the site, right? Like that that's mm-hmm. where it was. It was on the South Bank, and the South Bank has uh, some other theatres. Like the National Theatre is on the South Bank, but it's not what you would consider West End musicals type area where. You know that there is like a, a an area of of the West End in London, in Central London, where there is all of the theatres with all of the musicals that you know. But then on the South Bank, they have some theatres, but they're different stuff. It's more plays than than what is typically to do, considered to be the London theatre scene. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So what else is awesome these days? Squarespace. You can enter the offer code FEELS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Of course, this episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends at Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for that next idea that you have. With a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more, you'll be able to take advantage of everything that Squarespace has all of these fantastic features, to put that idea that you have onto the internet. And it can be anything. You know, Maybe you're a band and you want to sell your music and you want to give people a preview. So you put a little music player on your website. You can do all of that. You can sell the music in the online store functionality that Squarespace has. But this can be anything. The only limiting factor is your imagination because Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you do anything that you want to do. Maybe you just want to have a blog. Maybe you want to have a portfolio. Maybe, and this is something I'm thinking about, maybe you want to set up a wedding website. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be setting up a wedding website on Squarespace Nice. Um, later on this year because that's a great way to have all of the information that people are going to need and it would be a good way to share stuff. And I believe, I mean, last time I looked, Squarespace has the ability to protect a, a website by password, right? So, uh, so you'll be able right, to do right, that and right. keep all that information private. So. Mm-hmm. They have all of that stuff. You don't have to worry about anything. Squarespace have got it covered. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They have a 24-7 customer support team if you need any help at all. Believe it or not, their plans start at just $12 a month, and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com. 
And then use the offer code FEELS, F-E-E-L-S, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and also show your support for this show. We thank Squarespace for supporting this episode. Make your next move. Make your next website. So how's that uh, Romanian coming, Michael? I think it's going okay. I'll tell you one thing that's quite funny. You care a lot more about your uh, about your streak when you put your Duolingo public profile out to the internet. It gives you an extra incentive to make sure that you're taking your lessons, which I think <laughs> I find kind of funny. Because uh, I know people could go and look. I haven't done very well this week, actually. I've missed the last couple of days because I've been a little bit sick. Um, and then Adina came home. She was away. And so I haven't, I did, I don't think I took a course yesterday. Um, and I'm, I'm prob- I don't know if I'm going to do it today, but I am, I'm doing it. And Adina is impressed. So I must be doing okay. She is impressed by my progress. Good. So I'm learning stuff. Excellent. I'm trying. Yeah. Are you still but, enjoying yeah, it? Yeah. But it's getting hard. Yeah. I don't doubt it. It's getting hard now. Yeah. Uh, are you practicing it at home with her? Like by that I mean, are you are you taking either times or days or just sprinkling? You know, where you're where you're all Romanian, or perhaps just like sprinkling in, you know, hey, can you pass the whatever the Romanian world word is for well, salt? She, you know, we we should be doing that, and I think eventually we will be. But right now, she'll just ask me to tell her something, and then we'll talk about some words and some some things that I'm finding confusing. Um, and then she might ask me some questions. This is just pretty impromptu, mm-hmm. but eventually, yeah. Like once I'm getting to a better point than I am than I am now, then I'll be able to to start incorporating some more things into our daily lives. I have been impressed by, you know, because you know, with all these things, you feel like it's not going in, right? But some of the examples and some of the questions that Duolingo is throwing at me, I'm surprised that I'm able to answer them. Like my instinct tells me, oh, it must be this. Sure. So I am actually getting a grasp of some of this stuff. That's awesome. Which is, is kind of mind-boggling to me. I, I really didn't think that nearly at 30 years old that I would be able to take in another language because I was never good at languages. Yeah, so, you know, there is a strong chance that I might forget all of this, you know, so maybe I just have to keep working on it. Um, but right now it's going it's going pretty good. That's awesome. We got an absolute literal <laughs> ton of feedback in yes. regards to your claims about the travesties that photographers commit with yes. weddings. Yes, we got a lot of feedback, most of which, to the credit of our listeners, almost all of which was extremely respectful and not terribly angry, uh, because were the roles reversed, I'm sure I would have been a bit perturbed. But it seems like, uh, I don't even remember the actual assert- or, uh, the, the declarations I made, but I think a lot of it was about um, that when we were looking all of the photographers wanted to retain the rights to the pictures and they wanted to resell them to stock photographers or stock photography like houses, blah, blah, blah. We got a ton of feedback about this. And what was interesting was all of the feedback was passionate, not angry necessarily, but passionate. However, my read of it was that half the people said, yes, this is how we make money, like get over it in a nicer way. And half the people said, "Are what are you talking about? Why would I sell one of your images to a stock photographer? The stock photography thing, nobody said they do that. Like that that seemed to be a was, okay. thing of, yeah, like what I saw, or at least what I was paying attention, you may have got different feedback, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. people were saying that, yeah, like, you know, we have to keep the rights so we can put them on our website and then people know what our work. But then most of the people say, yeah, but we never sell them to stock photography. Like that, that if that was a thing, and I believe you, I believe that you didn't lose your mind, um, it seems like maybe this is something that isn't done anymore. Yeah, yeah. So my apologies to wedding photographers. I had lots of interesting debates with people um, about the idea of, of rights. I, I have some opinions about 
the rights of the, the pictures. I mean, in my mind, I don't think I think that the only person that should be able to retain the rights is the person, like the people that are being taken a picture of. And the way that I say this is like the way that I put this argument to a to a photographer who understood my argument and I understood theirs, um, which is that like a wedding is not an, a thing that is occurring in nature, right? Like you have mm-hmm. been hired to perform for like a, an act, like a you, a job for for the couple. So I don't understand why you would then take money and then also believe that you have rights. Like I get the idea as if people were putting that like, oh, well, this is our work, which is what well, I understand, but it's of other people, right? Like the, the pictures are of other people. But I do understand that like if this is the way that things have been done, then you have to follow that. Um, and I understand like that there is an artistic component to it, but I, I think this is a real murky question about yeah, who should yeah. actually own the copyright but what seemed to be the prevailing answer that i got from most of the people that i spoke to is that my my feeling was true that yes this is something that can be resolved either by negotiation or by increased fees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh we've told our wedding planner i'm wondering at this at this point if my wedding planner thinks that i'm weird or not <laughs> <laughs> Right, I, I'm like, gonna go why? With yes. I mean, yes, she does. I or can only does. imagine in her mind, like, why is he asking me this question? <laughs> but <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I would love to be uh, fly on the wall for some of those conversations. But yeah, um, the the most interesting argument that I heard, again, like I understand both sides of this coin, right? Um, but one of the photographers said to me or us something along the lines of, "Hey, you know, this is our creative work." And mm-hmm. I don't want somebody with, and they were, again, they said it in a much nicer way. I'm heavily paraphrasing, but they basically said, I don't want some other person who has no taste and no technical ability to like rework one of my photographs and try to publish it somewhere. And then that looks, that, that reflects poorly on me, the photographer. And that, that made sense to me. Like, I understand that. I now, understand it. I don't disagree with you, Mike, that, well, you're being paid to do a job. The job is to photograph me. That's my likeness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's super squishy. This is like what I'm saying. Said. That, that was the argument in which I say, like, I understand the argument of other people, right? Like, I get that. Like, I totally get it. Like, I get that. Is a, it's a strong argument, which is why I say I understand it. And it's a difficult thing. But, like, you kind of, I, I just feel like that in the exchange of a contract, in the exchange of money, you know, you're being hired to perform a role. Like, I don't necessarily believe that the creative part should extend past that. Like, for yeah. example, if somebody hired me to create a podcast for them and I gave it to them and then they re-edited it, I would be upset, but what can I do, right? That's their work at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like, I've handed it back to them, like, job complete, and then it gets edited, right? Like, for example, anytime I've ever written something, for someone and given it to them they edit it before they publish it because it goes <laughs> right. into their style right? Right, right, right and so i feel like there is an element of it there it's it's, a, it's real murky and i totally get it but it is it's a very tricky thing but um i'm gonna do my best to resolve it in the way that i'm comfortable with yeah so genuinely uh apologies to photographers if i've misrepresented your trade i i, I mean that for real I, I was going on now decade-old experience and so Um, things have changed since then go figure so you I saw you tweet the other day that you completed your first 5k on your own yeah on my own yeah very good work Casey Liss oh thank you Um, so a quick recap I decided to do a couch to 5k program just because I felt like I should really start 
doing something other than sitting on my butt all day. Um, and so I had gotten whatever app Jason Snell had recommended. I don't remember the name of it offhand. Um, and so I've been following that. And basically, in short, what that does is the very first run you do, you like run for a minute and a half or something like that. Then you walk for a minute and a half. Then you run for a minute and a half. Then you walk for three minutes or something like that. I forget the exact details. Well, over the course of nine weeks, you eventually get to the point that you're just running or really jogging for 30 straight minutes. And for most people with an average pace, that'll get you through roughly a 5K or 5,000 meters in roughly 30 minutes. And that's about 3.1 miles um, for my fellow Americans. And uh, the other day, maybe a week ago, maybe early this week, I forget when it was, but, uh, but I ran an entire 5K all by myself. Now, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but when I was at WWDC, a friend of mine, Curtis Herbert, uh, had had convinced me guilted me into running with him which actually I'm very glad he did because it was a lot of fun and and he and a couple other people um the, the three of us ran a 5k on I think Tuesday morning and that was my first ever 5k and then again uh Thursday morning with a much bigger group and so this was the first time I had done it all by myself and that was you know a kind of a big accomplishment because I tell you what the first Maybe it wasn't the first run I did. I remember the first run I did being pretty easy, but like the second or third run, when they start cranking up the running and cranking down the walking, it was hard. And so I was really pleased to, um, I was really pleased to get through it. And actually, just this morning, uh, I did my normal Tuesday run, and I've now completed all nine weeks of the Couch to Five K. There's three runs a week for nine weeks, and it was. I was thinking about it as I was running, and I was kind of thinking, well, now what? Because on the one side, having this this end goal was what compelled me to keep going. And the obvious answer is, well, just make your goal 10K or a marathon or something like that. But it's not quite that simple because I only have so much time with which to exercise. Basically, I wake up at about 6 on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday mornings. I am out of bed no later than 6.05. I am running by about 10 after, and then I need to wrap up by about 7 so I can go in to get Declan up at about 7.05. This is, I mean, to some degree, this is my choice, but this is the way I want to work it. And so um, I only have but so much time. So just cranking up the distance means I also need to crank up the time or, you know, significantly crank down the pace, which is, I guess, the real answer. But or crank up the pace, whatever, go faster. You know what I mean? Um, but I, but I'm a little concerned that I'm going to fall off the bandwagon, uh, because I don't have that like specific end goal anymore. My end goal is just continue to run. So we'll see how this goes. Maybe Mike, you can check in with me in a little while and, um, and, and let me, and ask me, you know, Hey, are you still running or did you, uh, start getting, uh, lazy and lethargic? Is there not like a 10 K? Is there not like, you know, there must be something, that people do after this program. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, there's like half marathons, which I think is like 13 ish miles or something like that. Um, but, but the thing is, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do that every morning, you know, cause I only have like 45 ish minutes to get this all done. Yeah. But maybe you improve your speed. Why don't you go for seven? You know, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that there's gotta be something more that you can do. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, I mean, this is kind of a, a rhetorical question. I mean, the, the most obvious answer is we'll just get your time. Well, uh, get your pace faster. And thus, what that really means is run more distance in the same amount of time. Right. Because that means mm-hmm. I'm going faster. And that's that's the most obvious answer. But it's kind of a, a slightly nebulous. Right. Um, I mean, maybe I can set a goal of running four miles in the exact same amount of time, you know, or something so like, like that. The app that you have. 
Mm-hmm. What does it do after the nine weeks? It basically said, oh, congrats, you're done. <laughs> well, that's so, it? Yeah, basically. Because the, huh. the whole point of the app, I mean, to be fair, the point of the app is couched to 5K, right? And the app, I mean, without this app, I'm sure with enough time or whatever, I could have figured out how to make myself run 5K. But but this app got me there. So I this was like huh. five bucks or something like that. I feel like, like that, that I, there is a business opportunity for these people, like to yeah. create an in-app purchase for sure. the couch to 5K afterlife or whatever, you know? Like <laughs> this is your next training <laughs> regimen. Maybe you should try out. Have you ever heard of Zombies Run? Yes, and I have not tried it. You may should try that out because it's actually like a good idea. Yeah, it's a way for you to complete runs that are more interesting. So it's it is a, an iPhone and Android app where there are all these like stories, um, and you listen to them, and it's basically they're telling you that you're being chased by zombies and like their workouts, and you know they're like, oh no, someone's coming for you, run! Like it's won a ton of awards. They're apparently mm-hmm. really really good. Yeah. Um. So you, you should try that. Maybe that's a good idea. That's something. Give it a go. Why not? Have you been going to the gym or swimming or anything like that? This is not the Mike Hurley. I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want okay, to talk about it. I was going to say, this is not the Mike Hurley shame hour. I was just, I, I feel mm-hmm. like it would be selfish of me not to ask. And since I've asked, we'll move on. And we'll talk about. I prefer it if you didn't ask. Fair enough. <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, very briefly. Uh, what was it? Last week? Week before last? It's already such a blur. Um, week before last, Aaron and I uh, went on our 10th anniversary trip. I believe we spoke about this just, It was. We, I think the last episode was just before we went. And so Aaron and I uh, left for Chicago on a Wednesday morning, and we spent uh, the rest, the, the remainder of the week and the weekend in Chicago. We came back um, early-ish Sunday afternoon. Uh, this was our first multi-evening event without Declan, uh, which was really exciting. Um, we had had individual evenings without him, but we had never gone more than one day. And and I think I spoke right. about on the show that Aaron had never been more than one day ever, 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 because I've had like dub yep. dub and stuff like that. Uh, I just wanted to quickly follow up and say it was a lot of fun. Uh, Chicago's a great town. Um, it was weird going to a place where I had just the most vague memories, because I, I think I might have mentioned that we used to live outside Chicago when I was 10 or something like that. Um, and so there were certain parts that I was like, oh, yeah, this rings a bell. Um, but one of the things that was really risky, well, well, for a loose definition of risky, was that we, I, I had convinced Aaron, well, it didn't take much convincing either, but I had told Aaron, I really want to go to this museum called the Museum of Science and Industry. Aaron and I are both big nerds. We tend to like museums. And I had this memory of the Museum of Science and Industry uh, as a 10-year-old or whatever I was, that it was just the coolest museum in the world. And I talked this up to Aaron for literally years. You know, even before, long before we ever knew we were going to Chicago, I'd say, oh man, if we ever go to Chicago, we should go to Museum of Science and Industry. It's so cool. Oh my God, ah. And, uh, and so we went. And we spent uh, the majority of a day there, and I was deeply fearful that it would be a total snooze and that as adults we would be like, okay. Turns out, nope, still nerds, still a great museum. If you're ever in Chicago, go to the Museum of Science and Industry. It's great. And uh, I also wanted to uh, make a brief shout-out. I have no idea if, if any of them listen to the show, but um, the fine folks at Cards Against Humanity, uh, specifically Alex Cox and Max Temkin, were kind enough to host us and take us to a really lovely lunch um, one of the days. I think it was Thursday. And uh, we got to see their offices, which are super cool, unsurprisingly. And we got to uh, go to lunch with Max and Alex. And uh, and then uh, they hooked us up with uh, tickets to a comedy show that Cards Against Humanity did the following night. And it was all super kind to them and, and, and super awesome. And so if, if they listen to the show, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to them because that, that was a memorable part of a memorable 10th anniversary trip. So uh, thanks, guys. And, uh, you know, it was really great. It was really great being able to get away with Aaron for a little while because 
I, I don't know if this is unique to parenting. I don't think it is. I think, you know, this happens from time to time. But sometimes I feel like maybe it's just Aaron and me, but um, we we get into a groove of being roommates rather than a couple. And, and just because, you know, you have the day-to-day of life and, you know, you start going through the motions and the routines of life and you kind of lose track of each other as a couple. And I, I shouldn't speak for Aaron, but, you know, I felt like I was kind of... I was getting into roommate mode and getting out of couple mode and, and having a trip like this mm-hmm. was really, really great for me anyway, um, to go back into couple mode. And, and so I'm really thankful for that. And I'm, and I'm glad that, you know, our, our parents were able to step up and watch the kid for a little while. So it was really great. And I just wanted to follow up about it real quick. It's a nice reset. Yeah, very much so. Very well put too. Talking about travel. Can I tell you what a suitcase I used during my travel? I would love you to tell me. I used an away suitcase. And it was fantastic. Of course you did. Of course I did. Because, Casey, your luggage shouldn't cost more than a plane ticket. That is why Away makes smart premium suitcases for under just $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash analog right now and you can browse Away's suitcase options. They're all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. Away offer four sizes, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large, and they have nine great colors that you can choose from. The suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. If you have a case with just two wheels on it, trust me, get an Away with the four 360-degree spinner wheels. It changes everything. You don't need to just pull. You can also push. Yeah, let me jump in real real quick. When we were looking at uh, luggage for uh, our first big overseas trip, I had read somewhere, oh, don't believe the hype on the four wheels. Two wheels is the way to go. So that's what we did. Total mistake. Get the four wheels. The four wheels are amazing. It's nice to just have the option. Yeah. You can still treat it like a two-wheel true. if you that's want true. to. Away's carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack. They have this great uh, co- that, that that compression system is really awesome. That I mentioned like you can shove more and more stuff in whilst keeping it small. They all have TSA combination locks built in and a removable washable laundry bag so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones, as well as on the carry-on carry-ons. It's fantastic. The USB battery charger. So there's USB ports in the suitcase so you can charge your devices whilst you're traveling. You will never be without power again. Away believe in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. And they have great shipping everywhere else and they have uh, they offer it worldwide. We, we, we buy them from London. It's fantastic. Travel smarter with the suitcases that charge your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash analog and use the code analog at checkout to get $20 off any of their suitcases. Once again, that's awaytravel.com slash analog and the code analog for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Yeah, it really is the truth. I really want to do some Relay of Feels. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some Relay of Feels. Let's try to make this rapid fire. I think I went on a little too long earlier, but uh, we'll see what we can do. People want to hear from you, Casey. They want to know. They want to know your feelings. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you just got to share them. You, you can never go on too long. You can okay. never go on. Fair too enough. Long. I'll, I'll relay some feels. Alec has a related question to your running mm-hmm. situation. What are your running tunes? What do you listen to when you run? Uh, generally speaking, podcasts actually, and that's partially for the entertainment value and partially because I feel like the only way for me to keep up with all the podcasts I want to listen to is to have that time in the morning to listen to them. I mean, I do listen to podcasts on and off throughout the day, even when I'm working, but it's inconsistent. 
and having that time um, when I'm running is very useful. So this morning I was listening to a little bit of Upgrade, actually, and um, and so that was good. Uh, but uh, recently I have occasionally done music, and uh, the most recent example is a band that opened for I think Creed when Aaron and I saw them somewhat recently. So this was like, wide open. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, the name of the band is Like a Storm. They're out of New Zealand, and uh, they're they're more aggressive than the kind of music I typically listen to, but uh, they're very wow. good. Uh, if you want, check out the song Chemical Infatuation. It's very good, both the uh, regular kind of uh, hard rock version and the acoustic version is also excellent. Uh, and that was the most recent example of something I was of music I was listening to while running. Do you run to the beat of my voice? Uh, no, I, I, I don't really need, I know you're kidding, but I don't really need like a specific beats per minute or anything like that. I just need something to keep my mind occupied while I'm running. So Jim asks, uh, does Mike plan on vlogging part of his wedding day? And I think you and I have actually <laughs> no. spoken privately about this at some point. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Um, I'm actually, well, we're actually not going to have any video at all at our wedding, um, is the plan. Uh, we're not getting a videographer. You know, there might be the occasional clip that gets recorded, but we're not planning on recording anything. Um, I don't like video of stuff like this. I think I said this when I was talking about when I proposed. I didn't take video of that either. I took a time-lapse photography thing. I prefer the images, and then I like to fill in the rest of my memories. You know, the sounds and the actual way that things unfold and the things that people say... I think it turns a bit nicer with age for me. Like, I I don't want to go back and watch it and see that it wasn't exactly how it was that I remembered it. Like, the memory gets sweeter and the video stays as it is. But with images, it's easier to to apply your memories to them because it doesn't show everything else that's around it. So I'm not really keen on, on video for a moment like that. So I'm not vlogging it because I'll have more to do than that that day, and we're not planning on having any video. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We didn't have video for ours. And then we recently discovered that my parents had some video that they had never shared with us. And uh, I was really happy for it. But I can see both sides of this coin. So the occasional clip, the occasional clip is fine. But like videoing the whole ceremony and stuff like I, I don't want that. I just don't want that. Yeah. Megan asks, uh, the creator of VidCon made a podcast conference called PodCon. Would you ever go? So I think that PodCon is a great thing that to exist because... All of the podcast conferences that I have looked into seem to be super focused on growth hacking your podcast growth. <laughs> uh, there's like a big focus on like these business development marketing shows, which I'm not, it's just not really a world that I'm interested in. But I've hoped for a long time that there would be a VidCon for podcasting. So VidCon is created by Hank Green. Um, and it's basically a YouTube-focused conference. It's not YouTube's, right? Like, they, it is an independent thing, but YouTube is a big supporter of it, and they do, like, a keynote, and they do a lot of sponsorship and stuff. And it is a mix of, like, three different things. It is a fan event. Um, it is a an event in which you can learn something about about video, and it's also, like, an industry event. So sponsors and companies come and they talk with the the creators and the creators get to meet each other like there are these like three different kind of goals to the event right so it provides for fans aspiring creators and creators and i've wanted a podcast conference focused in this way 
right? That it was mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. podcast listeners, people that want to make their own shows, and also for people that already do, and that there are these three kind of strands that run through the event. So the fact that the creators of VidCon are now making a podcast conference called PodCon is exactly what I wanted. Um, also, the McElroy brothers are involved in the creation of this, and I am obsessed with them. Um, so I am, uh, I'm, I'm planning on going. It's it's in it's in Seattle in December, which seems interesting because I've wanted to go to Seattle for a while. Yeah, but I also like snow. Like I don't know if it snows there. It might do. Uh, but yeah, Seattle in December 9th to tenth. Um, I am actually currently planning on going, and I'll have more information once I've actually made all of my plans. But yeah, I'm. If you're going to be there, you can expect to see me there because I'm going to go. That's awesome. That's my current thinking. And a uh, friend of the show, Mike Hurley, with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, an interesting spelling of the of the uh, first name there, uh, he would like to know what other conferences are you and I attending this year? So what other conferences are you attending this year? Uh, I don't have any on the docket right now. The tough thing for me is I would absolutely love to go to more conferences. Um, as examples, Ool, XOXO, as, you know, as they do continue to be a thing if they do. Um, I've heard release notes is phenomenal, and I'd love to continue to go to some of these shows, but not only do I have to take time off work, but in most of these cases, I have to take time off family, and so that becomes very, very, very challenging very quickly. So whatever it is I do, and I don't mean this in the nasty way it may come across, but it better be worth it, you know what I mean? Because I really got to make sure that that this ask of my work and ask of Aaron is worth my time, and so... Um, I don't have any others lined up at the moment, but we'll see what happens. Now, Mike, what are you up to? So my current conferences that I have booked in, um, if you would call it as such, the Washington, D.C. Penn Super Show in August, which is the D.C. Penn Show. I'm going to be there. Um, that's going to be good if you're into pens. Like, that is the thing. Like, the D.C. Penn Show is the biggest pen show in the world. Right? Like, it is a big thing. It's my first time. I'm very excited. That's in August. Uh, and then another conference I'm going to be at Release Notes in October in Chicago, which I'm really excited about. And we're doing a few different things there. Like we're actually doing a live show before the event, but the Release Notes folk helped us out with that. We're going to be doing a live connected because the three of us are going to be back together again. I'm uh, very excited about that. We're also doing a part of our Pen Addict North American live tour. <laughs> we're recording a show uh, at the field notes office so i've got a lot of stuff that i'm going to be doing in october in in chicago and i'm really really excited about that but they're my only conferences that i have booked in for the rest of the year it's not my only travel but it is my only conferences fair enough yeah uh, both of those um well the dc pen show is colossally poor timing for me because that's uh, around the time that it's it's kind of it's kind of hilarious because we're it's like 45 minutes from you and you're not going to be there so i'm going to be there and you're going to be somewhere else. Yeah, because we're going out of town for a vacation that we planned like six months ago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty darn grumpy and bitter about that. I'm trying to put on the happy face right now, but I'm pretty angry well, about it. And it's nobody's fault. Come spend a weekend in New York City, baby. I'm going to be there a lot. Don't tease. 
uh, and then release notes. I've heard phenomenal things about. So one of these years, I'm going to have to make it work. In any case, uh, Jeff asks, you, you two fell in love with each other. Or, well, he didn't say in love. I apparently wrote that in. Uh, Freudian slip. You two fell in with each other quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I've read this question five times every time I saw the word love there, and now it's not there. I don't know if you're just trolling me or what happened. Nope. But <laughs> that's how it was written. Like, fell in with each other. Like, we became yes, yes, yes. close together, well, right? Well, that's, that's more of a that's Britishism. Incredible. That's more of a Britishism, mm-hmm. but I'm certainly familiar with it. Anyway, I swear to God, I've read this line five times, and every time the word love was in there. Anyway, you two fell in with each other quickly. Uh, do you often make new fr- new friends quickly? Um, I will start the, the question off. Um, I would say I make friends in general relatively quickly or like friend acquaintances, if that makes sense. Like maybe I'll meet someone and it's like, oh, hey, you're really cool. I had a lot of fun hanging out with you and maybe I'll never see you again. Who knows? Uh, but the kind of like lasting friendship that really matters I don't, it's not that I like avoid it or anything, but it's, it's not common. The kind of friendship that you and I made, that sort of thing doesn't happen often for me. Once in a lifetime, baby. Mm-hmm. I will say that this is something that I'm getting better at with age, like making and retaining more friends. Like this is a weird thing about me and that I'm finding right now that i have more friends than i've ever had before especially in london like i'm meeting new people in london and making new friends and genuinely like i feel that my life is better for it like i'm happy that i have more and more friends that i see now i'm doing more and more things socially which is a relatively new thing for me i think especially at home um and i think that for me i tend to become friends with people quickly like if i if i'm going to make a friend that friend is made fast. Yeah. Right? So, like, I'll meet somebody and we will become friends really quickly or we probably won't, which is a a strange thing for me. Like, I feel like that with the people that I become really close to, there tends to be an instant connection that we make. Um, and, And But I am happy that at this stage in my life, I am making more and more friends than I have before and it's giving me more and more options. And plus, I have friendships that have been very important to me that have been rekindled and with where i am right now uh with all of the things going on in with me and like as i'm becoming more and more of a serious adult it's really important to me that i'm able to kind of stoke the fire of those friendships again so that's that's making me very happy right now yeah i think i pretty much agree with everything you said i i tend to make friends fast but it's the lasting ones, and I keep using you as an example, the lasting ones like you, that is a very rare occurrence where it's just like, oh, immediately, yep, I'm going to be friends with that guy pretty much, for the, or girl, for pretty much the rest of my life. You know, that doesn't happen often, and, and it's a rare pleasure when it does. Yeah, the, 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 I will say that the, the, the way that I made, that me and you became friends was kind of unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a very special thing that I hold dear. Oh, I completely agree. Even though you drive me crazy. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you know we're good friends right <laughs> yeah so uh this is where i would normally do a usa chant but i just can't bring myself to do it uh tanya asks how do you prefer to engage with entertainment binge watching or week by week i think i started the last one so why don't you start us off i put this in because it's funny because of the firefly thing mm-hmm. uh i prefer to binge like I will say that there is something that is like a not not annoying but like difficult about watching Firefly the way that I am mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I really when I watch one I want to watch another but then when I have to watch one sometimes I'm like oh man I have to watch another one and then I start it and I'm like oh this is great like the, the breaking <laughs> it out like that is is makes it harder for me to consume it sure. I do prefer to binge watch like 
watch a show and just watch that show until the show is done. That's the way that I prefer to do things. Yeah. Um, it's weird for us because, you know, we used to tend to just watch things week by week as they were aired. You know, we still have a TV uh, or a cable subscription. And so the, the, the shows we would watch on cable, we would just watch as they came on. Um, but now with Netflix and and things like that, we found that any, that anything that isn't actively airing will binge watch but we'll do like one or two episodes a night. We won't binge watch as in, okay, honey, let's sit down for nine hours and watch the entirety of Firefly, you know, or something like that. You know, we'll we'll do an episode or two per night for however long it takes for us to get through it. And um, 30 Rock and um, uh, Parks and Rec are great examples of that. We went through that those. Feels like, I would consider that binging because it's like you're just consuming that one thing you don't okay. i don't think you have mm-hmm. to watch it all like you know like we'll watch like maybe two or three episodes of seinfeld and, I, and we have been for what feels like a very long time right now <laughs> as we decided to just accidentally fell into a seinfeld rewatch right. but i consider that a binge because that's the only show we're watching i gotcha okay when that's in that sense then yes we tend now to binge uh yeah it's like a fine we line. did take a break for house of cards and we did binge that in a weekend like, yeah we well, devoured that I know that feeling. Uh, yeah, but I mean, to me, binge has a little bit of a connotation of what you just described. Like, hey, we're going to hunker down. We're just going to get through it. And and I guess to me, we don't binge in that regard basically ever, but we do binge in the sense of there's this one thing that we're concentrating on. So we just went through House of Cards. We are all caught up on that. We are almost done with Orange is the New Black. And then I'm not sure what's going to follow after that. All right. All right. Time for Firefly. Yes. But, you know, you know who makes Firefly possible? Our great sponsors, and one of those today is our friends at Linode. Linode lets you get set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to understand, and they let you choose your resources in the Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility that you need for your virtual server. And Linode plans start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode has over 400,000 customers growing every single day who are all serviced by their amazing and friendly 24-7 support team. You can contact them however you want. If you need help, they're there for you. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They are there the way that you need. Linode's control panel is beautifully designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. It will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, even clone in just a few clicks. They have comprehensive guides and support documents to teach you everything that you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers. They feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe, and you can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. They are the full package for your server infrastructure needs. They have the power that you require, the infrastructure and assistance that you want. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. You can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and going all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for $60 a month. Across the board, they offer twice the amount of RAM that you'll get for those prices elsewhere. As a listener of this show, go to linode.com slash analog, sign up right now, you'll be supporting this show, and also getting $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, what have you got to lose? Go to linode.com slash analog to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code analog2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for their support of this show. Okay, Firefly All Gaming right. Club. Episode number five. Yeah, what was the name of this one? It was Safe. Thank you. It's the name of the episode. 
This episode made me a little bit sad about the fate of the Firefly TV show. Uh oh, why? Because I realized that they're still only establishing characters, mm-hmm. right? Like I've realized now, as we're into episode five, that all of these episodes so far have been focused around a character to give backstory and information on that character. Yep. I, I don't know why I didn't notice that until now. Like, I noticed that certain episodes were focused on a certain person, but now with where they are, the fact that that's still happening, and especially with the, the utilization of flashbacks in this episode, uh, I can totally see that really this season, I think, is just intended to establish his characters before they continue to go on more wild and wacky adventures into seasons that were never recorded. So this episode focuses on the Tam family, Simon and River, right? Mm-hmm. So the Doctor mm-hmm. and uh, River, the the who we believe to be person, or at least I believe, with some kind of mental control ability, uh, some special power that River has, and this has continued to be explored on this episode. Uh, it starts off with the young Tam family, who I immediately recognized Doctor young Doctor Tam as Zac Efron, which is incredible and hilarious. Um, that Zac Efron was in Firefly. Yeah, I'm glad that you noticed that because I was curious if you did. Yeah, I like immediately picked up. I was like, I know that face. Hang on. And then I went to Google <laughs> and was correct in thinking that it was Zac Efron. And uh, when I looked last night, I might be wrong about this, but when I looked last night, that was his first credit on IMDb, which I thought I'm was not surprised. He's super young there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes me also smile that he's effectively using an iPad Pro. Uh, <laughs> a big screen with a pen oh, and he's no. doing his work on the iPad Pro about so. that. I quit the show it's all over burn it down he understands <laughs> um, I will say oh because I, I haven't done I always forget to do this now talk about m- my feelings on the episode this is a good episode I, I didn't dislike it I didn't I didn't like Love I wasn't it. over the moon mm-hmm. about it you know like as I have been especially the last week's episode I loved that or the last episode but this one is good it sets up some stuff I feel like that the end is pretty rushed um, and we'll get to that like I, I I feel like that they really should have stretched this story a little bit further than one episode so I'll, I'll just talk about it now so when he goes to the the the, the um the kind of the wild west town right becomes the doctor of the town i feel like that was a really interesting idea that could have maybe been extended a little bit more than just the resolution of the episode to be like oh they came and found him right like yeah, it felt yeah. like it was really rushed like the rescue is rushed when the story the idea like the temptation of them to stay in that town i feel like could have been explored a little bit further Mm-hmm. You know, like I would have liked to have seen maybe like the Serenity guys, they go on another mission and somebody else gets hurt and they realize that they need Tam. So they go yeah, back yeah. and find him as opposed to it just being like, how did they get back and find him? Nobody knows. How did they even know he was there? Nobody knows, but they found him and they saved them. Right? It just, I don't know. Like I feel like it was resolved too quickly with a story that I think could have been expanded a little bit further, like to understand their role and for him to really think about like, is this the right place for me? You know, like I feel that there could have been more than just like the little bit of that that we got. I think it would have been quite interesting. Yeah, you could see this being like a, a, a plot arc for an individual season or maybe like a half a season or something like that. I could have easily seen this whole thing span several episodes, but. As it turns out, since we only have one season to work with, that didn't that wasn't the case. I understand what you're saying. Uh, the other thing I noticed about this, only on rewatch actually, was that it started with them offloading all the cows. And I don't know if I ever paid attention to that earlier, but that was all the cows they had picked up in the last episode. And that was 
a a little nod of episode by episode continuity that I don't recall having really seen before. Yeah, there wasn't. Um, I don't. I can't think of another episode where there was something that crossed over, right? And exactly, this was exactly. that, mm-hmm. right? The, yep. the cows, it was the payoff to the previous episode, which I think I said last time I was hoping they would do because it just seemed like a real silly throwaway thing for it to be cows and then not do anything with that. Um, and even just the setup was good. And, you know, it, it continues to paint the picture of the world, right? That, like, mm-hmm. the cows are rare and it's like there's a black market for beef and, you know, like there's this whole thing, right? That that was, I I, I was pleased that that was there. Um, you know, the whole episode, I think, is set around uh, River in a way, right? Like her, you know, Simon's trying to protect her from doing things that she shouldn't. Mal doesn't want her to be around whilst he's making the deal, right? In case she does something that she shouldn't. Like everyone at this point is well aware of the fact that she can be unstable and unpredictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Simon is concerned about taking her out into the town because of that. And Mal is concerned about keeping her around because of that. Um, so that was interesting to me, right? Like it was everybody had the same uh, concerns, but coming at it for different reasons. Yeah. And uh, I also noticed that maybe I'm jumping a little ahead here, but speaking of something that's kind of a bummer from for, or that, that, that relates to the prior episode, when um, Kaylee was in the little shop and was looking for something to buy Simon to like kind of impress him and make him happy. And, you know, she was trying, this is another example of of Kaylee kind of being a girly girl, which um, is in contrast to her, you know, more stereotypically masculine uh, mechanic work. You know what I mean? And, um, and so she was all excited. She found this plate that she thought was really lovely and that she was going to buy for Simon. Then he comes in and he's like, Oh, who would ever buy this garbage? And I felt so bad for Kaylee. Like she's the best. And you know, last episode it was, why would you ever want that stupid dress? And now it's who would ever want this stupid plate? I felt so bad for her. Yeah. She's, she's beaten down by people because of her innocence, you know? Um, and, and I guess in this instance, it was, you know, it was trying to rekindle the idea of her having a thing for him. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, he is annoyed and upset at Mal, so he's like lashes out at her. Yep. But it was it was an interesting way to see if and how that will progress now. Like, has the damage been done? Is there a resolution to it? Is there a payoff? I don't know. Maybe we won't see that. Maybe that doesn't get doesn't get resolved. There is another person, though, who has some serious character development in this episode, which I'm expecting to be paid off next time, which is good old Shifty Shepherd. <laughs> that's his new name? That's, his, that's how I think of him now. I've had some reservations about Shepherd Book and what his past has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing like is given away quite early in the episode that, like, he seems to know how to make a deal. Yeah. Right, like he's trying to advise Mal on the deal, like, oh, something doesn't seem right here, or you know, like he is he has some instincts about the way that these things tend to go down, which I think a man of the cloth maybe maybe shouldn't. Right. Um whilst the deal's going down, the law shows up and they're kind of basically uh Mal and Jane are dealing with wanted men. These men are wanted for a murder and then a gunfight breaks out River runs off. She finds this maypole dance type scenario, which she joins in with, and it's a nice moment. She's she's acting like a like a 
regular person, right? Like she is <laughs> fine. She is good in that moment, right? Like she's enjoying herself. Nothing bad is happening. She's not reacting irrationally or upset. Like she is, she's good, right? Like, so it makes Dr. Tam Simon happy because he's seeing her like has our old self, right? Because we get an idea from the flashbacks that are shown in the episode that she was a fun loving person. Um, and that had been kind of, broken and beaten out of her so he's happy and we're happy to see her kind of just living a, a regular life in that moment then we find out that uh, uh shepherd book has got shot he's been shot and river senses this all right so here is like you know her telepathic powers whatever they are she stops she senses that something's wrong shepherd has been shot yeah and she's nowhere near right she was somewhere else no they're, they're far away yeah because then they get kidnapped um, by these kind of village folk, the town folk, right, that take them to the town to make them the doctor, to make him the doctor, right? They need a doctor, but they're, they're basically, these people kidnap others, like travelers, tourists, so they can try and extort people. But then they're lucky that they find out that they have a doctor because they need a doctor because they have people that are sick in the town. But they get kidnapped, and it's, then it goes to, a, there are some more flashbacks here where, like, it starts to show the breakdown of what happens, right? So, like, River is at this school or this institution where, you know, she's so smart, so she goes to this smart school. It's like a boarding school or whatever. And Tam's, T- Simon starts to get letters from her um, that he believes suggests that there's some kind of code and that she is something bad's happening. And the parents are like, oh, you're being crazy. Like, you're going to harm your career if you talk like this. Like, you have to forget it. You know, and then there's another flashback later on in the episode where um, the dad, so Simon's and, and River's dad, has to bail Simon out when he tries to, like, it looks like he's trying to get information or, like, break River out of this institution, this school, or wh- whatever it is, right? Like, just our assumption is it's a school. Um, and the dad is like, you've gone too far. I'm not going to help you anymore. Like, this is the last time if you get captured again or if something bad happens to you like you're on your own which i think is set, you know it kind of sets up like there's a thing later on in the episode where river's like dad will just come and get us right and it's a nice like moment where it shows that she's not fully aware of everything that simon did for her and you know and there's there's a lot of their relationship exposed in here the idea that basically he loves her more than anything else and will do mm-hmm. anything for her and that is shown, right? That he sacrificed his career, he sacrificed his relationship with his parents, and he's now sacrificed the rest of his life as he's running from the the law because he has her in possession. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a good moment. Like the whole the whole things, the whole pulling from the flashbacks, like it really helps establish just how deeply he cares about the safety of his sister. So. Mal decides to leave without uh, the Tam family simply because Book is in a bad way and they need to get some help for him. So he decides in that moment to leave them. And so they take off and they're trying to find somewhere to go. Um, Inara ends up convincing them to go to an Alliance space station uh, as their their move. Right, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, which is super risky because they're... They're criminals, and they're going to the law and just appealing to their good graces and saying, "Hey, would, well, you, would you mind if you know you patch up are, our dude?" They're not technically wanted, 
right? Like I was thinking no. about this, like how could they get away with this? And the only reason they can get away with this is because River's not on board, right? They are just scavengers, right? So they were, they're never going to get arrested. They're just going to be told, we're not going to help you because you live outside the law. You live outside the system. But like they have paperwork, the paperwork's out of date, but they have it, right? So at least once they had a license for this or whatever, um, but they're not technically wanted, right? Like they're running from the law purely because either they have bad cargo, which they currently don't have, right? They have no cargo on board, or they're harboring fugitives, and they're not te- they're not harboring fugitives at this moment, which is why they can interact safely with the alliance, even though they would just prefer not to, right? Mm-hmm. I spent some time thinking about this, like wondering how they could make this and then i realized oh yeah okay it's all these things so the the alliance is not willing to help them and then shepherd signals an id card the id card is scanned and the alliance guy is like get him to the infirmary at once (laughs) so shepherd book is someone or has been someone but right now, we don't know who or what that person is. He won't reveal his secret at the end of the episode. He's kind of just like, oh, I'm a man of the cloth, and there's more to me, but you, I don't want to talk about it right now. right? It, that, so there is more there. I expect the next episode will probably be about Shepard's history because they set it up, but we'll see. Um, there's there's a few moments where, you know, if we, the, the reason that, that they had to be rescued is because um, the nurse in the kind of the hospital area thinks that River is a witch because she can sense um, what this girl, there's a girl who has been mute because something terrible happened in her family. Her, her mother tried to kill her and killed her sister, and she's not spoken for years, right? But River can sense what has happened to the girl, and this shocks the nurse. Like, she can tell the history of this girl even though the girl has never spoken to her and simon tries to argue this away but it is you know this is this is the clearest indication we have of a telepathic power right and that's the point because it's meant to scare the nurse and the nurse is like you're a witch she's like a religious woman she's also like a teacher i think um but it's you know this is meant to harken back to the witch trials that that's kind of what they're going for here right like it's a old west town and they're going to burn her at the stake right because she's a witch and it's the only way to purify her um and and that's kind of the way that the episode comes to its resolution right that river has shown self-awareness at this point you know she knows what simon has done for her um but his love prevails in that he won't let her die so he tries to argue it away and and she you know she's kind of just like doesn't want him to have to fight for her but he decides that he's going to get up on the the this platform the stake and he'll die with her if he has to right so like they will go together and then it's at this point that the serenity appears and mal comes down with um Zoe and they're gonna, you know, Jane is like suspended from the ship with a huge gun and they have a good moment and they're like saying, oh, you know, you want us to shoot you all down, blah, 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 blah. She's our witch, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was, I love that one. You know, she's a witch. Well, she's our witch. You know, I just thought that was really well done. And then they take her up. And it's just, as I said earlier, I feel like that this was a rushed resolution to the episode. Um, and I would like to have seen more occur in this this little subsection of the world. 
But you know, they did. I don't want the crew to be broken up, right? So I'm pleased that they eventually come to get them. And then the kind of the episode ends on a touching moment where like Tam is says to Mal, like, "You don't even like me. Why did you come back for me?" And then he's like, "You're on my crew." And he's like, "Well, no, but you know why though? Like, what made you want to come back?" And he's like, "You're on my crew." And then that's it. Why are we still? Why are we still discussing this? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, you are part of the crew, I will protect my crew at all costs. And that's what he does. It's like this constant, as there's been, like this constant flip-flopping of Mal's personality that you don't see, right? Like, who, what does he actually feel? Like, who is he trying to protect? Who is he actually going along with? Who is able to influence him? Like, it's hard to tell. Because at one moment, he's like, leave them. We've got to leave them. We don't care about them. They're gone. And But then later on, he comes back for them. And does he come back just because he realizes he needs a doctor on the ship or does he come back for them because he cares about them? You know, why did he leave? Did he leave because he had to rush or did he leave because he was trying to do the best thing to save Book's life? Like, it is difficult to read the character because he does so many conflicting things, yeah. but it's what makes him so interesting in that he's he's un- he is predictable but unpredictable at the same time. You always believe he's going to do the right thing, but the way in which he gets to there is always a weird scenario full of twists and turns <laughs> absolutely right yeah I, I i don't know it's hard for me to pick a favorite character in this show in many ways i do think it is mal because he to my eyes is so unequivocally good yet to your point in such odd ways that sometimes the way in which he arrives at good is kind of terrible. And so it's that conundrum, that that backwardness that I think makes me enjoy him so much and makes me find that character to be so interesting. So uh, that's it for this one, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Until next time. Uh, yeah. uh, I continue to enjoy the show, good, um, good. but I'm starting to get the impending feeling at the end, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. I'm so we're about halfway now, right? Next one is halfway. Uh, there are fourteen episodes. The next one is number six. So that okay, will so be nearly, end, we're nearly halfway. Yeah, that will be the end of the of the first. I got. Is it this one? I can't do math. It's early. We're a third of the way through, right? Because there's the movie too, which we are going to do. Mm-hmm. Because I, my assumption is the movie wraps up the story, like it wraps up the loose ends of the characters. That's why I assume the movie is four. Um, so we'll see. Don't say anything. <laughs> so uh, we we're about a third of the way through, and, and I am unfortunately now getting the feeling of like, don't get too attached to these mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, away. I'm very curious to to hear what you think of the next one. The next one is entitled "Our Mrs. Reynolds," and I love this episode. I'm curious though to see if you do, because I can see this one going either way. So um, I'm very anxious to to speak to you in a couple of weeks and talk about our Mrs. Reynolds, which should be fun. All right. Happy birthday, America, I guess. (laughs) It still is the America birthday. You know, we can still wish America a happy birthday. That hasn't changed. Fair enough. All right. Happy birthday, America.